we continue our series this morning, Follow Me, and today we're going to talk about something that I doubt seriously you've ever heard talked much about in church, because the whole um, way that we do church is is kind of predicated on what I'm going to talk about today, and I'm really going to beat it up. I'm going to tell you this morning that, that what you've thought or the way you've done church and the way you've done Jesus and Christianity for lo these many years, if you've been a Christian for very long, um, I'm going to try and show you today the error of our ways and the error of our thinking when we approach Jesus in certain ways. What happens is, um, you know, we, we have a tendency to respond to God in ways that God does not expect us to respond. And, and we think that God wants from us certain things when, in fact, he doesn't want those things at all. And so what, what happens is this. We get convicted. We make all kinds of promises to God. God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and I'm going to commit this to you. And I'm going to be dedicated. And I'm going to go do this, that, and the other. And, and then, you know what happens? We, we don't follow up on our commitments and our, our dedications. And then so now we're back. And God, I didn't mean it the last time, but I really mean it this time. And I'm going to rededicate. And I'm going to really recommit. And I'm going to redouble my efforts. And you're going to see that I'm serious about my faith. And I'm going to work harder. And, I'm gonna, and we just go on and on with these promises that we make to God. And it's a rededication trap that we fall into. I would suggest that it is a trap that works against following Jesus. That, that whole rededication thing really works against us and really works against the idea of us trying to follow Jesus. A lot of people think, that, think that's what it means to follow Jesus, that you just, you know, you just tell him, you, you, you get more committed, and we fall and fail and pick ourselves back up and dust off, and Lord, I'm not going to do that again, and you'll see, and I'm going to be better, and I'm going to be more committed, and, and, and I'm going to wow you with how, how really into this whole thing I am. We think that's what God wants. And, and the sad thing is, American Christianity has been boiled down to in a lot of ways how impressive you can be with the commitments that you can make and how well you can live all those commitments out and and that makes you a great christian that makes you a great person and and listen there's nothing wrong with making commitments there's nothing wrong with with trying to live up to those commitments but the problem is we make them to god all the time and we think that's what christianity is and that is not what christianity is jesus came and he said follow me that was his instruction that that was the only that was the invitation in a nutshell is just follow me now let me explain when you decide to follow jesus he takes the responsibility of leading on his shoulders that's what it means to follow which means over time jesus is going to lead you into a deeper commitment into a, a deeper level of, of understanding and into a deeper level of, of devotion and commitment to him. That's his responsibility. And in the process, uh, it is, and it is a maturing process. See, anything that matures, uh, really, it, it, it takes time for anything to mature. I mean, you think about the CDs that you've got. You know, it takes time for them to mature. The plants that you planted in the spring takes time for those to mature. It takes time for your kids to mature. You, you know, your, your kids don't they're not they're reading dr seuss one day they're not reading dostoevsky the next day you know it takes time to get them to a place where they're able to do that and just as you can't commit and dedicate yourself to maturity in an area of life you can't commit and dedicate yourself to maturity in jesus You, you just can't do it that way the process of following is an internal process it is not an external thing and yet Uh, when we rededicate we generally promise external things lord i'm going to do better i'm going to get up at five o'clock and pray to you every morning and have my quiet time 
Lord, I'm, I'm going you know, to start doing this, and I'm going to stop going there, and I'm going to start going here, and I'm going to start doing it with these people, and I'm going to stop doing it with these people, and it's all external. And we make all these promises that have to do with what's going on on the outside, never realizing that what Jesus is really after and what follow me is really about, as far as Jesus is concerned, is an internal thing. And because of that, our attempts to rededicate to God often hinder, hinder, our ability to follow and here's why because following is about dependence following is about dependence and rededication is really very subtly about independence here's what I mean by that rededication is really often in our subtle way is imposing our agendas and our priorities onto God God here's what I think I need to do I've been looking at my life, and, and here's what I think needs to happen, Lord, in my life. God, here's the first thing that I need to work on. See, we're subtly telling God what the problems are instead of listening and letting God tell us what he thinks the problems are. The first thing, Lord, I need to get involved with is this. And see, that's our agenda, and that's our priority. And so we declare that to God, and we say, God, here's really the problem. The problem is I've got this agenda, and this is really what I need to be about. And very subtly, we impose our agenda and our priorities onto Jesus. The second way we do that is that rededicating is often a subtle way of staying in control. You see, uh, God says, give me your life. And you say, no, no, I don't, I, you know, I don't need to give you my life. I just need to do better with it myself. I just need to make sure that I'm living up to the commitments I made. See, I don't need to give it to you, God. I, just, I, I can handle it. I can do it. Let me keep it. But as I keep it, I just need to do a little bit better job with some of these things. You know, I, I, I need to be more committed to making my life better. I need to be more committed to fixing my marriage or changing this. I'm committed, but I'm going to stay in control of everything and then uh, finally you know rededicating is is a, a and committing is a way oftentimes to stay within the list mentality lord here are the things that i've got to do and and here's here's the way i'm going to approach them but but this is my list god and don't you know don't take my list away from me i don't know if i could live if you took my list away from me and so it's a subtle way of maintaining our independence and it is a deterrent to relationship and here's why you see relationship sometimes means that you have to listen you ever notice that if you if you do all the talking then you really don't have relationships with people if you are in a marriage and you think you know we just don't have a very good relationship you know one of the problems in that relationship is that probably one person's doing all the talking and the other person's doing all the listening what what makes a good relationship is that there is talking but there is also listening on both sides i do my fair share of marriage counseling and one of the things that i've discovered is that you know it's a catchphrase marriage is all about communication and that is very very true but but what i find is you can bring the couples in and sit them down and have them start talking and what you find is generally one is the talker and one is the listener and you just sit back sometimes and watch them and, and one dominates the whole conversation. And it's not really hard to figure out why they don't get along and it's not hard to figure out why they're having trouble. This one's doing all the talking and this one over here can't get a word in edgewise or has been so dominated by the one who talks all the time that they don't really feel like saying anything. If you want a relationship, you have to listen. You can't do all the talking. But you start looking and especially in the Christian life, what you find is that Christians are really good talkers. We, we are really good at telling Jesus what we're going to do. We're really good at telling God, God, I'm going you know, to do better. I can do this. 
Jesus, I can do this. I, you know, I, I, I just need to work harder. I need to redouble my efforts a little bit. Then we go out and we blow it. And, and we feel horrible about it and then we get under this whole conviction thing and for the longest time we're ashamed of, of being who we are and we're ashamed to be in front of Jesus and we don't really want to have anything to do with him not because we don't like him but because we think he's not going to like us and he's going to see right through us and he knows that we haven't kept our commitments but we finally get over that and then when we come back as soon as we get over our conviction we come back and here's what we do Lord this time it's going to be different this time I'm going to be better. I'm not going there again. I'm not going to fall into that again. Lord, I can do this. I know I can do this, and I'm just going to rededicate everything to you. God, I wasn't serious last time, but I'm serious this time. You know, I was just playing games before. God, I'm promising you. I'm telling you. I'm declaring to you. And we do all the talking again, and many times our purely motiva- motivated attempts to give ourselves oftentimes gets in the way of what God's trying to do in our life. Matthew 26 is where I want us to look this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26. Jesus has just finished telling the disciples that one of them is going to betray him. That would be Judas. And then they have their last meal together, and they were celebrating Passover, and Jesus kind of drops a bomb on them right here in the middle of Passover. He said, you know, from now on, this isn't Passover. (laughs) what I want you to see just this is just a purely side note I mean I know people get mad at preachers because they change tradition all the time or leaders in general that come and change tradition they say you know we've done this this way for years and years and years and how can you come in and change that I want to show you that Jesus is about to take a thousand year tradition and just squash it like a grape watch this he says from now on this thing this Passover thing that you know used to signify you coming out of Egypt it's going to mean a new thing it's going to mean this wine that you drink it represents my blood this bread that we're going to take here in a minute and I'm going to break it we're going to eat it that represents my body and he changed in in just a couple of sentences a thousand year old tradition and he says and by the way (laughs) one of you is going to betray me now you know they finish up and they head out to the Mount of Olives and and as they're walking along, the disciples are probably still wondering about who's going to betray and what's that all about. And, you know, that, that whole thing's just kind of, they're still wondering about that. And as they're walking along, Jesus shares with them some things, and it, it kind of sets up the story today. It sets up where we're going to go. Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, here's what I want you to understand about what, he's, what Jesus is doing. He is not asking for commitment. Jesus is, Jesus is not asking for any kind of response from the disciples whatsoever. He is simply making a statement. Guys, I want you to know that by the end of this night, all of you will have betrayed me. All of you will have, have scattered. You're all going to desert me. You're going to run in all different directions. I'm just letting you know that's what's going to happen then listen to what peter says you have to love peter because peter is so much like us peter replied verse 33 even if all fall away on account of you i what is that word never will my wife and i really try hard to never use the word never you know that's just a big that's an absolute word even if all fall away on account of you I never will. Now, I don't know what Jesus was thinking at the time, <laughs> but he may have been thinking this, Peter, I'm the Lord. 
I'm never wrong. I'm not ever, ever, ever wrong. And I just told you that all of you are going to fall away tonight. All of you. That, that wasn't, I'm not asking, Peter, I'm not asking you to correct me. I'm not asking your opinion or your advice. I'm just dropping knowledge on you. And the knowledge is this, by the end of this night, all of you will have fallen away from me. Peter, that includes you. I'm never wrong. But Peter was too busy talking. You just got to love him because he's so much like us. Now, I don't know whether he whispers this. I don't know whether he draws Jesus to the side and says, but, you know, Jesus, no. You don't understand. I'm different than the rest of them. And I know, I know when you said all, you, you, you really didn't mean all. You didn't mean me. I know that. See, it's different with me. I'm not like these guys. I mean, these, these, guys, I'm, I'm not, these are clowns behind. I'm not like that, Jesus. That might have been how he did it. Maybe he just stopped everybody down in pure brash Peter fashion, you know, just stopped it all and right there in front of everybody said, Lord, these guys may leave you. They may run. They may tuck tail and take off tonight, but I'm not like them. I am more committed to you than they are. Essentially what he said is, Jesus, if the rest of these guys desert you, I'm more committed. You can count on me. In other words, I love you more than these guys love you. Oh, we all love you, but I love you more than they do. And the other guys are standing right there as Peter's making these declarations. And, you know, you have to wonder what's going through their mind. Now, did Peter mean it? Absolutely. Was Peter sincere when he said to Jesus what he did? He was absolutely sincere. Believed it with his whole heart. But the problem was he wasn't following. He wasn't listening. He was too busy talking. He was too busy committing. Too busy dedicating. And then Jesus looked right at Peter, verse 34. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, He's not asking for a response. He's not, he's not trying to prod Peter to make more commitments. He's not trying to get Peter all riled up so Peter will just redouble his efforts and get all the, you know, get, just get right down and dirty and, oh, no, Lord, I'm going to make this commitment to you. That is not Jesus' motivation as he says this. Verse 35, but Peter declared, you just have to love the poor guy. Even if I have to die with you, I will, and he uses it again, never disown you. I will never disown you. I promise. I'm dedicated. I'm more committed to you. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you know, I've never been wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not ever, ever, ever wrong. I'm not asking you to make some historic statement. I'm not asking you to make some statement that, that uh, you know, is beyond you. I'm not asking you to make a heroic statement at all. I'm, that's not, that, Peter, that's not the point. I'm just trying to let you know what's going to happen in the future. I'm trying to let you know what's going to happen tonight and what is going to happen specifically to you. I told you that all of you are going to fall away. That's exactly what's going to happen. I told you that by the end of this night, the rooster is going to crow three times and you will have betrayed me three times or the rooster's going to crow and you will betray me three times. I'm just telling you, Peter. 
I'm not, not asking you for anything. I'm not asking for a commitment from you. I'm just simply trying to let you know what's going to happen. Now, here's where we need to sit up and pay attention, especially if you have been a Christian for any length of time. You can be a committed person and, you can be, and, you, and not be a follower of Jesus. You can be a very committed Christian, dedicated, work, show up. You know, if we're going to wash windows around here, you fill your pew and you show up and watch us do it. You know, I mean, it's, you're one of those that you just are not going to miss. You can be very, very dedicated and not be a follower. You could have prayed all kinds of prayers. You can make all kinds of declarations. Be as sincere as you know how to be and still not be a follower of Jesus because being a follower of Jesus is about relationship and relationship is about listening. And the question this morning is in our walk with Christ, are we listening? Do we stop talking and just listen? Sometimes our well-intentioned promises and our dedication gets in the way of what God is trying to do you see Jesus was not chastising these guys he, he, he wasn't getting on them he wasn't I don't think he was yelling at them he wasn't trying to prod them on to higher levels of dedication you know this wasn't some kind of mind game with Jesus and their response was all wrong and here we've got Peter charging off in a direction totally opposite of where Jesus is trying to take him and then what happens an hour later Jesus is out there praying, agonizing over the world and agonizing over the sins of the world and over the sins of Peter and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Peter's fast asleep. He's off, he's gone, he's sacked out. Hey, Peter, you know, could you, could you wake up and pray with me? Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, I'll pray with you. Sound familiar? Ever made promises to God that you fully intended to keep and wanted to show him that you meant it and then you know a week later you look around it's like man what was I thinking sometime later he's sitting around a campfire and Mr. Determined Mr. Commitment Mr. I'll never fall away from you Mr. Dedicated Mr. I'll die for you this girl walks up to him and says hey aren't you one of his followers not me not me a couple minutes later somebody else walks up hey didn't I see you with Jesus not me a third time not me and here's Peter Mr. Determined Mr. Dedicated I will never deny you and I will go with you to my death he folds up like a cheap lawn chair he is just done Listen, that was not a time for rededication. That was not a time for commitment. That wasn't a time for big, boisterous talk. That was a time for surrender. It's a huge difference in those two things. Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is different than dedicating to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, commitment is what I'm going to do. Surrender is what you're going to do. And when we look at God and we say, I surrender to you, what we're saying is, Lord, I, it's yours. The, the next move is yours. I, what, whatever you want to do is fine with me. See, when we commit, it's about, it's about us. It's about our actions and what we're going to do. When you surrender, it's about what God's going to do. Commitment is about watch me. I'm committed. I, I can do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Surrender is about I can't. It's just all you're saying is I can't. I can't. 
Commitment and rededication is about me. Surrender is all about him. Let's get a definition of surrender. Surrender means to give up or abandon, to give over or resign oneself to something, to relinquish, guys, men, this is really important for us because this is tough for us, to relinquish control. That's what it means to surrender. I'm no longer calling the shots, God. You're calling the shots. I'm not telling you what, how my life's going to be better, and I'm not telling you what the agenda is. God, I'm waiting on you to tell me what the agenda is. I, I'm just going to, when you take a step, I'm going to take a step. I'm not going to step out in front of you because I'm not really sure where you want to go. And see, when we talk about, well, Lord, I just think I need to do this better. I need to do this more. Really what we're doing is we're, we're saying, hey, Jesus, follow me. Watch this. This is where I'm going. Just get in line with what I'm doing. You'll figure out I'm, I've got it all together. So there's something negative about surrender. We don't like that word. It, to surrender means that you've been defeated. It's, it's a real negative, passive, you know, how can I get anything accomplished if I'm surrendering? We, we don't see in any way when we give up that we're going to get what we want. And really, let's face it, that's really what we want, right? We want what we want. It's negative. And we're Americans, right? We, Americans don't surrender. I mean, we've got ourselves in trouble a couple of times, but we don't surrender. And because of that, the whole idea of, of surrendering, I think, is just really negative. And yet, here I am today to tell you that at some point in your life, you're going to come to the place where the only thing you can do with Jesus is to just throw your hands up in the air. Your only hope is to throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, I, I surrender. And just keep your mouth shut. Because you will realize that all the promises and all the rededication and all the big fancy talk is just a waste of time. And you will realize that following Jesus really is about putting all your weapons down and not talking so much and just, okay, I, Lord, I'm listening. I'm ready to hear what it is that you've got to say and I'm not gonna give you a laundry list of things that I think I need to do to be better. I want to show you what happened in Peter's life. Look at John 21. John 21. Peter finally gets the point. After dismal failure, <laughs> after breaking his promises and telling Jesus that he would be there and then disappearing and running and you know not being there when Jesus needed him the most, we find at the end of this story that Peter is a different guy. He's just a completely different guy. Jesus has arisen. This is John 21. After this, he's, he's arisen, and, and the disciples have seen a couple of times uh, that he's been around, it, but they really don't know where he's going to show up next, and they really don't know what's going to happen next, and so they're kind of at a loss. They're not really sure what to do. By this time, the guys have kind of, those who were fishermen have kind of gone back. That's their trade. That's kind of what they're doing again. They're fishing, and one day they're out fishing, and they're they're doing their deal in the boats and they look up and they see this guy coming on the shore and they don't recognize who it is and he calls out to him in the boat have you caught anything yet and they say no we, ha we haven't caught anything yet he says well why don't you throw your nets out on the other side of the boat well at that point john looks at peter and says hey i, I think that's the lord and so when they 
think that's what's going on they start to make their way back to the shore you know with boat and oars and things like that everybody except Peter what does Peter do Peter does exactly what you'd expect Peter to do Peter jumps overboard Peter dives into the water and begins to swim to shore because he's you know Peter and he's got to get there before everybody else you just have to love Peter he's so like me sometimes and this man who was a dismal failure where Jesus was concerned he dives off the side of the boat while the other disciples row and he swims to shore to see Jesus can you imagine what that conversation was like can you imagine the feeling there along the shore and they have breakfast on the side and the disciples are there and they're having breakfast and then in verse 15 Jesus turns to Peter and he begins to ask him a couple of trick questions Verse 15, John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now here's where we're going to have a Greek lesson this morning, okay? There are four different Greek words for love. There's eros, which is like a romantic love. There's phileo, which is uh, the city of brotherly love. That's where we get that terminology. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That word is phileo. Then you have agape, which is the word that Jesus uses here, and it's a can-do kind of word. It's a, it's a doing kind of word. It's, it's the word that, G, that Peter used when he said, Lord, I'll die for you. I love you so much, I'll die for you. It was a doing kind of love. And then there's another one called storge, and I'm not real familiar with storge, just enough to know that it exists and it's used. It's probably the least used of all the words that, that are used for the word love in the New Testament. But what he's saying is, do you love me? It's the same word that he used when he said, love your enemies. It's a doing kind of love. It's, it's the kind of love that you choose. It's different than, than eros. Eros, the, the erotic love, it's where we get the word erotic. It's, it's a, eros is something that you sometimes can't, it's a feeling that you can't control. When we talk about love as a feeling, that's what we're talking about. But the, this, that's not the word Jesus used here. Do you truly agape me more than these it isn't it isn't being naturally drawn to someone the way you are romantically that's not what this word is it's the kind of love that you decide to do it's when you say I'm going to be kind I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be self-controlled that's the word it's the kind of love Peter claimed for Jesus. And, and he, you know, he said, I'll do absolutely anything. I'm 100% in your corner, Jesus. I'm committed to you. I agape you. No matter how it feels, no matter what danger it leads me into, I'm there for you. And so at breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, do you really love me? Are you really committed to me more than these guys are? Keep in mind what Peter did. Keep in mind the, the lessons that Peter has learned. And Peter says yes and no. <laughs> Look at what he says, verse 15, the second part. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I, but he doesn't say agape. He says phileo. It's a different word. Jesus used agape. Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know 
I phileo you. What that means is I'm attracted to you. You, you know that I want to follow. I want to be close. I want to, I, there's something about you that draws me to you. And yes, I'm drawn to you. I want to be in your presence, God, but I can't really say that I agape you. I'm not ready to say that. Because I sort of said that one time. I told you that I agaped you, that I would do anything, that I was willing to die for you, and I, I wasn't able to keep that commitment. I wasn't able to do that. I failed miserably, and I still feel horrible about it, Jesus. So you're asking me, do I agape you? <sighs> I want to say yes to that, but I can't say yes to that. But I can say that I phileo you. I'm attracted. I want to be there. The last part of verse 15, Jesus says, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly agape me? Do you love me? Are you really committed? Are you really more sold out than these guys? Are you more committed then these guys, and Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I have a, a fond affection for you. I, I phileo you. And he was trying to avoid the question and, and the word that Jesus was using. And, and you know, this was, this was kind of Peter's way, and Jesus knew what Peter was doing, and Peter knew what Peter was doing. Everybody's in on it. They both know there's this game going on. They're playing with the words, and, and, and Jesus is, is really trying, I think, to, to teach Peter as he asks him these questions. And I think Peter has gotten the message. I think it's Peter's way of saying, Lord, you know, all this heroic stuff that I've said all this times with you where I, I, I was so bold and so brash, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I, you know, I've learned a lesson here. I, I, I did that once, and it, was, it, was, it had a horrible ending. You, you, you know, I, I told you I would never fall away, and, you know, you told me, yeah, Peter, by the, by the time the rooster crows three times, and that's exactly what happened. But I will say this. I want to be with you. I, I'm attracted. I, I, I want to follow. I want to be close. I want to be where you are. But you want me to say agape, and I, I, I just don't think I should do that because I don't know if I'm there. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, <clears throat> the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, and here Jesus changes the word. This is beautiful. He changes the word and he says, Simon, son of John, do you have a fond affection for me? Do you phileo me? See, up until now, he's been pushing him for this whole agape thing. And then the last time he changes the word and it's the word that Peter's been using. Do you really want to be my friend, Peter? Do you really want to follow me? You really, are you really attracted to what I offer, and are you attracted to be with me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You, you know that's true. And see, Jesus does not look at Peter right here and say, well, Peter, that's not enough. That's just not enough. I'm sorry. You can't be a disciple. You lose. Because I need people that are more committed. And I need agape kind of people. Jesus said, that's enough. That's enough. You're willing to follow me? That's what I'm looking for. 
That's all I'm looking for. And, and to the point, Peter, that I am entrusting my church to you. I'm not looking for people to make rash commitments and giant commitments to me. I'm not looking for people to, you know, make all these promises. I'm just looking for people who will listen and follow. And when I talk to them, will respond to the things that I call them to. And Peter, earlier when I talked to you, I wasn't calling you to anything. I was just really telling you what was going to happen. Peter, you got to learn to listen. And if you can listen, I can entrust my church to you. If you'll just follow me. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter would, in fact, die for Jesus. And this is the best part. Verse 19, the last part. Then he said to him, follow me. You say, well, Brett, what's so cool about that? What's so exciting about that? After everything that Peter has been through and everything that he's learned, and he's matured and grown up, he's been through all this stuff, and when everything came down to the bottom line, Jesus brings Peter right back to the place where he started with Peter. He started with Peter by this, with this invitation, follow me, and now Peter's been through this whole experience, and he comes to the end, to the bottom line, and what is the bottom line for Jesus? Follow me follow me i've been asking you questions peter do you love me do you agape me can you make this great big huge doing commitment kind of love peter said no i don't know if i can do that jesus said hey that's not what i'm after what i'm after is someone who can phileo me follow me love me i still just want you to follow me nothing has changed for peter what's my point my point is that no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been following Jesus and that you've been a Christian, the Christian life is still all about following Jesus. It's not about coming to church and, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but we don't do revival around here. Now, there are churches that do revival, and that's great. That's wonderful. But you know what happens at revival? Revival, we get all worked up, and we make all these commitments to Jesus. And then next year, we've got to get all worked up and make more commitments to Jesus. I mean, just call me crazy, but I don't think that's how you're supposed to follow Jesus. I don't, I don't understand the whole ramp up and make a big commitment, and then next year, ramp up and make a big commitment. I worked at a church, and they did revival. Every summer, we did revival. And I had to be there every night for five nights and listen to this preacher come in and yell at us. And, and you know, we'd sing 15 verses of I Surrender All and, and Just As I Am, and, and, I, you know, and nobody was moved. And if somebody was, it, it was because of some big emotional appeal. And I try not to do that to you guys. I, I, we don't do the whole come to Jesus thing because you're emotional. It's not how we handle things around here I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to lead you to an, you know to for you to rededicate your life every week that that doesn't work what we're trying to do here is to say Jesus calls us daily and are we listening when he says follow me and oftentimes our heroic talk and our commitment to Jesus it just it gets in the way of what God wants to do till we get to the point where we just say, God, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't do this. And God says, finally, we're getting somewhere. You say, God, I'm a failure. 
God says, well, I've always known that. I mean, that's not a surprise to me. Now that you've recognized it, we can make some progress. You know why God wants us to surrender, you and me? Because he is trying to conform our character to the character of Christ, which is a huge job. I mean, we think we can do that ourselves. We can't do that. For our character to be transformed, that's huge. Conformed to the likeness of Christ, how do you... But that's all internal. You understand that? That's not external stuff. That's, that's an internal thing that's got to happen. And God says, before we can worry about all this external stuff that you're wanting to talk about, I'm going to do this better and I'm going to do that better, Jesus says, listen, you're not ever going to have any success with any of that external stuff until I conform you from the inside out. That is about following. That is about listening. That is not about Jesus, I'm going to make a promise to you and I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to be better and you're going to see and I'm going to pray more, I'm going to read my Bible more. Jesus says, no, if you would just follow me, you will develop a hunger in your soul and in your insides and it will drive you to scripture. It will drive you to pray. It won't be something you have to look at your clock and say, oh, I got 10 minutes to make sure I fulfill my commitment to Jesus today. It won't be that. It'll be... When can I carve out some time? Because I can't wait to get into the word because I'm following Jesus. Huge, huge difference in those two things. I think Jesus would say, just quit telling me what you're gonna do. I'm not interested in what you're gonna do. I know what you're gonna do. And I'm not real impressed. And that's why I have to move into the inside of you and I have to do it from the inside out. That's what following Jesus really is about. You know what his ultimate goal is? His ultimate goal is to teach you and to teach me that he wants to live through us. We sing a song and the, the lyrics are, um, he is living me. And you know we've had people say, Shouldn't, didn't you leave a word out? Shouldn't it be he's living in me? No, he's living me. His life is living through me. That's the whole point of the, that lyric. So it's not a misprint. It's not a typo. It's supposed to be that way. His life is living me. My, Christ has come in and he's taken over and I'm a follower. And, and it's just I'm completely locked into trying to go where he goes. And he just lives life through me. Because he only lives through surrendered vessels. It's not about promising things. It's about waking up every morning and say, Lord, I cannot, but you can. I, I can't do this, but you can. See, this should be great news to anybody in the audience this morning who is not a, a Christian, who's kind of on the outside looking in and they're thinking, you know, I'd love to be able to say I'm a Christian. I'd love to be able to think that I'm going to heaven and, and think that church is for me and that Jesus is for me, but I watch Christians and I can't do that stuff. And, I, and, I, and if I can't do that stuff, then I can't be in the club. And the good news for you this morning is God is not the one who's imposed all that stuff on you. That is what the American Christian culture has given you. That if you don't live up to this standard, you're not in. So we got a lot of people walking around going, you know, I'd love to be in, but I can't, can't be that. God says, you don't have to be that. Who told you that you've got to be that? Well, they did. Well, they're not me. Listen to me, Jesus would say. Follow me Jesus would say I never asked you for anything I just simply asked you to follow when you follow Jesus he takes the responsibility for the outcome of the journey are you, are you tired of trying to be good and are you tired of trying to get your act together are you tired of just you know constantly trying to ramp up every day so that in some way in some way you can make God happy I'm telling you stop doing that wake up every morning and say Lord I'm listening 
And come live me. Just, just live me. And when you take a step, I want to take a step. That is what it means to follow Jesus. Do not fall into this rededication trap. I'm going to do better. Wake up every morning and say, God, I can't, but you can. And I'm wholly leaned into you this morning. That is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us because we sometimes we, we aren't reading scripture nearly as much as we are listening to everybody around us. And we watch a bunch of people that go to church every Sunday and they get all dressed up and they look good and they look like they got their act together and they use all the right language and they can talk and say your name and they say the most beautiful prayers and it all looks and sounds so good and we think, that's not me, I can't do that, I'm not that. And you never imposed all that on us. Your invitation to Peter is the same invitation you extend to us, and that invitation is very simple. Follow me. Lord, I pray this morning that we would be able in our relationship with you to shut up long enough to listen to you talk to us and hear your voice and know that you are enough for us. We don't have to be heroic. We don't have to make a bunch of promises to you that if we'll just put one foot in front of the other, Every time you take a step, we take a step. You will change us from the inside out and we will mature and we will grow and we will develop into a Christian that other people would like to be like. But it'll happen so naturally and so deeply. And Father, that is the kind of Christian we want to be. We can't do it without you. So we invite you in. It's in Jesus' name we pray.